0: It's an emergency view from the West podcast. Mitch, we got teams changing conferences. We got coaches in new places. We got so much going on. We had to jump on and record. Mitch, it's good to see you. How you doing?
1: Good to see you, Greg. Uh, Certainly, we weren't expecting a a quiet offseason, and and this this week's news uh, has plenty of updates. So uh, we always talk about having job security doing this podcast, and uh, this week is no... uh, is a good indicator of
0: that that's right well there's so much news to talk about the breaking news we brought in some guests let's hit the open then we'll get right into it talking illinois high school football if your goals are as high as you talk about tonight tonight you go out and just take one more step four, two, three, it's a view from the west and it starts right now Welcome into View from the West podcast the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host Greg Armstrong joined once again as always by Mitch Stormer. Mitch back in the uh, back in the virtual studio here recording a new podcast. It's not quite football season yet but man we got some news to talk about so it's good to see you man.
1: Yeah I I mean with with all the the things happening in football, really not just in high school football, but across any, any level, right? There's really no off season anymore. Um, there's always going to be something, something going on, something in the works news coming out. So uh, yeah, this, this time it's us and we got plenty to talk about.
0: That's right. Well, so much news. We're not doing it alone here. We're not, we're not breaking it down by ourselves. We brought in some guests. Our listeners are familiar with Kyle Kampmeyer from nuicfootball.com. Kyle, we got some, some news we're going to get into at the Northwest Upstate Illinois, so we got to bring you in. You're busy in baseball season, but you're taking a few minutes to join us. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's always fun to jump on a podcast. You know this. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Awesome. I love it. Well, you, we got you covered with the NUIC, but if we're talking Lincoln Trail Conference and the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, we bring in Ty Taylor from WRMJ Radio. Ty, first time on the podcast, but a listener, a loyal fan, I've heard, so I love it. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm very honored to be here, Greg. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's a great you know, show every week, especially during the season. I always listen uh, to both episodes. It helps me get ready uh, for like the game that I'm doing Friday night or Saturday afternoon or whatever. So uh, yeah, love listening and excited to be here.
0: Well, hey, you, you had me on your uh, pigskin preview playoff show last year on WRMJ Radio, so I return the favor and bring you in here. Well, let, let's jump right into it. Mitch, we got breaking news involving your alma mater, the Morrison Mustangs. The school board meeting was last night. It has been approved. The Morrison Mustangs are going to the Northwest Upstate St. Mitch, you've been around Morrison a long time. You're very familiar with Morrison program. Is it weird to hear them not going to be in the three rivers?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of one of those things that's excitingly bittersweet, right? You're, you're saying goodbye to a lot of history, uh, Morston, uh, not just in football, certainly they, they have the two state titles, um, in football, a a lot more history and a lot more success beyond that, but just looking at athletic wide, um, regional titles, uh, conference titles, wherever it may be, in quite a few sports. So uh, they're going to be bringing a lot of tradition uh, out of the, the Three Rivers and, and into the NUIC. So uh, again, it's bittersweet to leave a lot of the, the history there behind, but um, the change is good. And, and I think for Morrison's sake, and we'll get into this here a little bit tonight, this is a great move. This is a great move for Morrison from an enrollment standpoint, from a, a, a geographical standpoint, from a competitive standpoint. Certainly we get some rivalries back. We get some familiar opponents back. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's going to be less travel for the kids and, uh, you know, maybe some some better opportunities for family members to to maybe not have to go so far away to an away game and some closer opponents there in, in Northwest Illinois. So, yeah, this is, this is exciting. I'm I'm really excited about this move. Something that we, we kind of talked about as a possibility, certainly once Fulton went up, you know, we were like, well, Morrison's a candidate for future for future realignment. So, um, and just recently, uh, as this week, kind of the whispers just kind of started to get a little bit louder. And the more information that we got, it was like, no, they're actually voting on this. And uh, yeah, we, we sources confirmed beforehand, and certainly the meeting last night that that this is going forward, starting in twenty twenty four. And I couldn't be more excited about it.
0: Yeah, it is. It is really exciting. Like you said, for all the reasons. I think it's a great fit. And it's just it is one of those things that we kind of speculated, but it seemed like would they actually do it? You know, would they actually make this move after such a long history, proud tradition in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference going back to 1975, their affiliation with the conference? So really, I mean, you know, kind of historic move when you when you start putting it into perspective for how long they've been there. But speaking of history and, you know, historic conferences, the Northwest Upstate Illini, Kyle, how long had you been hearing about this? And, you know, had you been talking to coaches or athletic directors? And what do you think about this move? Well, first off, I think it's a great move.
3: I mean, like Mitch just stated, we've been talking about Morrison wanting to move into the NUIC for quite some time. Originally, it was supposed to be a move that was going to be just a a football only move, which at the time when Amboy came over in 2016, uh, the NUIC wanted all or nothing. And Morrison just wanted to come for football at that time. That's kind of why we got Amboy instead of Morrison at that time. Um, Here recently prior to Fulton and transitioning in the NUIC, we also had heard more rumors uh, existing with both Morrison and Riverdale trying to seek membership into the NUIC. So it's definitely been talked about over the course of the last seven years, as far as Morrison getting here, look at their enrollment. I mean, Coming into the 2023 season, their enrollment sits at 287 on average over the past two years. So, um, obviously, solidified in the Class One A, which they have been for a couple years now. Overall, I have I have talked to a couple of my buddies that hang out, like Greg and Matt Serdich and a couple of those guys, and um, you know, it's a it's a big move for Morrison because you know that they can definitely get more opportunities to get into the playoffs and talking with Greg, uh, who is a big Morrison fan, um, big follower as well. He feels that Morrison has troubles playing in the three rivers because of the size differences. I mean, you go, you go from one a up to three, a four a, depending on what school you have there. So Getting them into the NUIC where the conference alignment just is better for them overall should potentially see them, one, be more competitive against 1A teams and allow them better opportunities to get a chance to get into the playoffs. Um, At the same token, for the NUIC's benefit, it's going to close the conference off so we can go back to nine weeks of conference games and um, then watch the NUIC dominate once playoffs (laughs) start.
0: So Kyle, you mentioned it, the, uh, you know, the rumblings of a new head coach with the announcement of a couple months ago that Steve Schneider was going to Arcola. Mitch, do we have more detail on the, on the new uh, head coach on the sidelines for the Mustangs?
1: Yeah, that, that also got announced uh, during the board meeting last night. It'll be Nate Vandermyde who was the offensive coordinator. I'm not sure how long he was on staff there, but he is a teacher on staff there at Morrison high school. So uh, he he was quarterback after me he's 2 years behind me um he certainly led the mustangs to great success they went to the semifinals his junior year and then they lost to dakota i think in the second round his senior year so um and, and he went on to play at north central so he is a is a very very it was a talented player certainly a bright football mind so this is a great a great move um certainly when you have change uh, moving conferences any sort of continuity you can bring into the team that is going to be good. And let's not remember, and I want to jump on Kyle a little bit here. This is a playoff team from last year. This was a team that made the playoffs on a very, very young group of players. So um, I, th- I think we had talked about at the end of the season that we expected Morrison to to make a jump um, because they would have older players of course, that was with assuming that, that Snyder was going to get, be back there. We really liked what he was doing, but this is a young team coming off of a playoff season. I think that's going to uh, roll right into the NUIC. Certainly are they up to the Lena level or are they going to compete with Dupec? Probably not, but I think they can be really, really competitive. And, and again, we're talking two years from now, but even I, I, I'm pretty sure Lena will still be good in two years, but you know, um, I, I think they will jump right into the NUIC and see, continued success and build on the momentum that they have had, at least starting with this past season.
0: So Mitch uh, Vandermeid was the quarterback right after you. So I'm assuming then, then you taught him everything he knows, right? That's all of I his...
1: his play would indicate otherwise uh, because it was, <laughs> was so much better. Uh, I, I can say that we wore the same, the same uniform and I own both of them. So I might have to talk oh, to
0: him about that. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he may be interested. He may be an interested buyer than in one of those.
1: Yeah, so uh, – but, yeah, certainly, uh, again, grew up playing with them. And with that two-year difference, we weren't on the same team. He was up with us for the playoffs for my senior year. But, um, again, once he took over, he, he took them to New Heights. And yep. uh, it was that Westfield game his junior year that was a, a heartbreaking loss in the semifinals. Um, and then, again, as mentioned, lost to a really good Dakota team the year after. So, um, again, can't say enough good enough about him. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do with this team. Yeah, moving forward
0: so with Morrison headed to the NUIC and we should clarify I think we've already said it it would be for the 2024 football season or for the 2024 season uh you know athletic season so I think one of the most exciting parts is you got Morrison and Fulton the the wooden shoe the one of the best rivalries in the area coming back now Ty you have a little connection to uh to the Fulton steamers what have what have you heard from out that way
2: well, I know, so my uncle, for people who don't know, is uh, Fulton head coach Pat Lower, who's from Aledo. Um I, I know I've talked to him a little bit about this, and, you know, I think the Fulton people are excited because, like you said, the Morrison-Fulton rivalry is such a great small school rivalry, not just in football, but kind of, you know, across the board in every sport. And I know, you know, the trophy game is, I think, a really cool thing that I wish more schools did in high school football locally. So That's right. Yeah, yep. I know, like... Uh, Pat is excited and the Fulton people are excited to kind of
0: renew that rivalry. Yeah, that's great. We we've talked at length about trophies and how we need more of them. And Mitch and I are campaigning coming up with some ideas that creatively we'll have to revisit that and get, you know, get some schools on board here with more trophies. But uh, so Mitch, you did your homework today. I, I put, I put you on task to do some homework. You looked at some common opponents from the three rivers and some opponents that Morrison will have moving into the Northwest upstate Illinois, you yes. know, enrollment, but also, you know, length of travel, the distance between high schools. What did you find, you know, as you started looking through some stuff?
1: It it was a little more eye opening than I, I thought really. Um, and, and some of these enrollment numbers, I, I think might be inaccurate. They might've been from the year prior. I was just going off of what I actually say had on there and I, I don't know when they update those, but, but either way you, you can see the, the drastic differences that Morrison will, Kind of be coming into uh, in an in improvement, I should say, when they when they start playing NUIC competition. Because when you look at when you look at the three rivers the way that they are and the teams that they've added the past couple of years, um, teams like Keewanee, teams like Hall, these are bigger schools. These are four A schools. Enrollment over five hundred. Monmouth Roosevelt's over five hundred. Again, the Morrison enrollment, I think Kyle mentioned, was two eighty six. So you're talking about teams that are double the enrollment playing in the same conference. Um, and not only that, you're talking. Spring Valley Hall is 71 miles away from Morrison High School. Monmouth Roseville is 90 miles away from Morrison High School. Princeton, 56. Mendota, 55. St. Bede, 74. Certainly St. Bede's leaving, but just as an example. Yeah. Even Rock Ridge seems a lot closer, 67 miles. So, you know, certainly you're close with Newman and Erie. Yeah. You know, certainly. But every everyone else, there was only one team under
0: 30 miles, and that was Riverdale. Well, I looking. They- Yeah, I was going to say, and when you start looking through that list before you get into the NUIC and kind of the enrollments and the distances, when you start looking through that list of Three Rivers teams, with Fulton being out of the mix, really it's like Newman and Erie Prophetstown and Riverdale to a certain extent. Those are the only traditional Three Rivers like rivals that were in the conference, you know, most of your football schedule was not going to be some of those traditional rivals that you had year in and year out that you considered like a three rivers matchup. Right. So I think at that point, it kind of indicates like, you know, maybe it is time to move along.
1: Right. The the conference looks completely different than from when, <laughs> when you mentioned when it started in, in 75, certainly when I played in 05 um, you you've seen teams like Amboy move on to eight man. You've seen teams like Fulton move up to the NUIC. So you know, it, it, it's, it looks completely different. So, um, even, even looking at this at the NUIC teams now, um, you know, I played against Dakota, I played against Fulton, I played against EPC, I played against West Carroll, I played against Stockton. So these are more traditional teams that we've seen Morrison play in the past. So it all, it all fits back into, um, a great fit for them moving forward. Um, and as we talked about with, with miles and enrollments, when you look at the NUIC and the distance between those schools to Morrison High School, you see a lot better fit. Um, a lot of schools here in the 200s for enrollment, DuPEC being the highest in the 400s. Uh, but distance wise, the furthest they're going to go is, is up to that Rockford area to get to DuPEC, 67 miles. But you're talking Fulton back in, that's 12 miles. You've got EPC at 30, West Girl Stockton, all those teams kind of in that seven, you know, uh, Highway 78 right there. Um, it just becomes a lot better regional. That might be the right, the incorrect term, but you just see better travel arrangements for for these schools. It's not just for football; it's it's for every sport. So, yeah, this this again, it, it's a terrific move for Morrison for more than one more than one reason. But um, I, I think when you look at enrollment, when you look at the distance, and when you look at just from a competitive standpoint, it's it's a it's a home run.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you start looking at, you know, on field, especially when it comes to football, I think that even in Morrison's most talented years, the last few years, maybe this past season was the, the most talent they've had on the field. They're still going up against schools that are the depth is so much, They're so much deeper, you know, roster wise when you start talking about a Kiwani team or a Mendota team, you're mm-hmm. just, you know, it's hard for a Morrison team, no matter how much talent you have up, you know, in their front, you know, in their first line, they don't have the depth. And so this really does kind of level the playing field when you're looking at, you know, similar size schools. Now, that being said, it doesn't, I don't believe, get any easier, you know, going to the Northwest Upstate Illini is the best 1A conference, the best small school conference in the state of Illinois. So they're going to be challenged, but at least the challenge isn't coming with just a lack of depth. The challenge will come in the amount, the talent. And I think that's a problem that you, you, you take a head on as, you know, as a head coach or as a player. Don't you think yeah. Kyle, when you, when you look at kind of the difference in the conferences?
3: Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, I didn't want to spin it on you, but I mean, Mendota came up here to play dupec and got annihilated in the, in the playoffs the one year. Well, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, mean
0: <laughs> I guess the better example would have been Princeton or Monmouth Roseville or, um, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Right.
3: yeah. Yes, Mendota is a bigger school. And I, I mean, let's let's face it. These bigger schools moving in the track has really told schools like Morrison and Fulton and Amboy, hey, we don't want you here anymore. We want to go bigger. And that's how they feel about it. They're like, well, if we're only going to keep adding 3A and 4A schools, where do we go? Well, we go where somebody wants us. And hey, let's go see the NUIC.
0: I think quickly before we move along, I think one of the big questions for me is um, where does Bureau Valley fit in all this, you know, looking at the Three Rivers Conference, because they're now one of the smallest schools, maybe outside of Newman. I don't know what Newman's enrollment is, um, but I think that's one that when they shuffled up the divisions, it it made it tricky for Bureau Valley because they were then on the geographic side with Princeton and hall and it's Bureau Valley is only getting smaller, you know, over the years. So that's, that's one that I kind of look at and kind of wonder, um, you know, what what's going to happen there. Now, looking ahead, we see Morrison leaving the three rivers athletic conference. So who takes their place? Well, that's why we bring in Ty Taylor, Ty. You're out in Alito, Mercer County, making the move to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. It was something that, again, like Morrison, something we talked about. It seemed like a natural fit when you were looking at St. Bede leaving, but it wasn't kind of a clear-cut decision. There was a lot of back and forth, wasn't there?
2: There was a ton of back and (laughs) forth, and and you're right that it seemed like a clear-cut decision. And to be honest with you, like, like you said, it seems like a better fit and kind of to echo what Mitch was saying about Morrison moving to the NUIC, I feel like for Mercer County moving to the track, it's kind of the same stuff where you get, you know, the 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 traditional rivalries back with schools like Rock Ridge and Sherrard and Orion and Monmouth Roseville. And, and, you know, the, the geography is better, I think, you know, obviously for Mercer County with the schools on the other side of the track I'm talking about, you know, currently in the East, division. Travel's not great. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's I think it's a it's a great move. And I think it's a much better fit. And talking about the back and forth, you know, for me, I was kind of stumped on why there was even a discussion, you know, I thought, okay, Mercer County gets the invite from the track. And it's, this is obviously where we should be where we want to be. Um, Let's do it, you know, not just geography wise, but enrollment wise, Mercer County, is the biggest school in the Lincoln Trail Conference. Um, you know, and, and on the football side of things, you know, a lot of the schools they play, they're double the enrollment of. Um and then in basketball, when some of those schools aren't co-op, you know, a couple of the LTC schools, Mercer County is over triple the size of and, you know, I know from Mercer County and again, so I'm a 2016 Mercer County graduate and I know some of the people with Mercer County don't, you know, want to hear this, but They've really struggled to find success in the postseason across the board and everything. And I think part of the reason for that is because they're playing, you know, down a, a classification enrollment basically the whole season. And then when you get to the postseason, they're playing up from from what they're used to. And, and they've had some really talented teams. You know, in football, they had a really talented group this year in boys basketball, a, a really talented group, you know, athletic wise, skill wise and, you know, both Seasons this year, you know, they got to the postseason, they went 0-1. So I I think moving to the track will help them. And obviously, I think there might be a little bit of growing pains first, getting used to kind of stepping up. And now, you know, nine weeks, you have to bring it nine weeks. You know, you're not going to have some of these matchups where, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect to some of the Lincoln Trail schools. But over the years for Mercer County, there's been, you know, two, three, sometimes four games where, you know, in the football season, you walk on the field and you're going to win no matter what you do. Um, and that's not going to be a thing that, that is there for them anymore. Um, but, and I think part of the reason was, you know, a little hesitancy, um, with, you know, maybe the competition increase, but a lot of the back and forth came on the, the travel where, you know, obviously if what they've been talking about is what they're going to end up going with. With division wise, Mercer County, you know, would end up playing a, a school like Mendota, which is, you know, two, two plus hours away for them. Um, and not just in football, but they'd have to play a crossover with them in every other sport. So every other year you'd be making that trip, you know, probably on a weeknight for volleyball kids or basketball kids or baseball, softball, um, kind of down the line. Um, and then kind of the other thing that I know, and this is probably the biggest thing that the hangup was on is. Mercer County was a bit concerned about the stability of the three rivers in terms of, you know, the teams that there's been a few schools, I should say that obviously with Morrison leaving now, they're one that people have heard. You mentioned Bureau Valley, um, who actually at the the board meeting when Mercer County voted to accept the invitation from the track, um, the principal, Andrea Cooper, had said that, you know, basically Bureau Valley had reached out to the Lincoln trail conference and, and is interested in potentially, you know, seeing that as a fit for them. Um, but when you look at the stability of the track, right, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't know if I really buy that just because I don't know if any conference is really that stable when you look at it and, and talking about the Lincoln Trail in, in football specifically, you know, there isn't a Lincoln Trail Conference in football anymore. The, the, the league is combined with the Prairie Land. Um, so like Mercer County on their football schedule this year, they play two te- two schools that are in the Lincoln Trail Conference. The rest of them are teams that are in the Prairie Land. Um, And I I have Mercer County's football schedule right in front of me, um, and I can go through it if you want. But like some of the the schools they play, I mean, it's, you know, games that if you're in the Mercer County community, you could not care less about any of these (laughs) games, truly. And, you know, I think that's the big thing is I think traditional, you know, geographical rivalries are so important. And Mercer County has not had that in a long time they never had it as mercer county yeah um because there just isn't i went to mercer county i competed in the lincoln trail conference and there's nothing close or anything that resembles the rivalry that mercer county has in the lincoln trail and again that's not saying that the ltc is a bad commerce because i don't think it is and and there are a lot of people that like i've met through growing up playing in the ltc and covering the league that i have great relationships with you know down the line i could mention you know multiple multiple people from every school but Mercer County is a fit in the three rivers. And in my opinion, they're not a fit in the Lincoln trail. And I think it was a good move. And I know it's a tough decision uh, for some people, but overall
0: I'm thrilled and I'm really excited for it to start here in in a couple of years. I I mean, I I will say looking at the, you know, the stability aspect, I mean, up until this year with the football changes that are coming, the Lincoln trail has been pretty stable. I mean, When you you look at kind of when they formed outside of the West Prairie Trail, which was kind of that like super football conference for a while. But, you know, going back farther than that, like the actual Lincoln Trail, you know, has been pretty stable over the years. But that being said, uh, you know, you're right that that enrollments and football teams having to really look hard at is, you know, co oping or is it eight man? Or I think more of those conversations are going to be coming up. They're not going away. So with this move, I think the, with the Lincoln land conference forming, I think it's a great deal for both the Prairie land and the Lincoln trail teams on the bigger end and the smaller end. But overall, you're, you're right that going to the three rivers makes sense because Mercer County hasn't had a true rival. I, and I've been in the area since 2005 and, uh, and I knew people from Alito. give a shout out to Nick bull, you know, who's a, you know, proud Alito green dragon from back in the day. And, uh, you know, I heard his stories about Alito and Alito Rockridge rivalry, and I've never really seen that. I know of it, but I've never really seen it. And so uh, that's exciting that that's back.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, quickly just touching on the stability of the Lincoln Trail. Now, you're right. And I don't think any of those schools are looking to leave the LTC or obviously, you know, looking at the track. There are a few schools that obviously Morrison and Rural Valley potentially looking, but you know, and speaking mainly just about football with the Lincoln Trail, you know, you've seen what West Central, Ridgewood, Galva, they play yep. eight-man football now. And and I think there are more schools in the LTC that I think, you know, you look at the success that West Central has had winning a state title. Ridgewood, you know, going from when they go to eight man there, you know, they had an eight in one year. I think they got to the quarterfinals. And I think just like you said, for schools that size. Depth-wise, it just is really hard to put an 11-man football team together and succeed. Um, so, I mean, this is not, you know, anything I've heard, but I just, you know, wouldn't be surprised five years down the line if there are more Lincoln Trail schools that are, or, you know, some of the smaller Prairie Land schools that, that are playing yep. eight-man football. Um, but yeah, speaking about, you know, the Mercer County, Rock Ridge, Mercer County, Sherrard, Orion, Monmouth-Roseville rivalries, now the last time Mercer County and Rockridge would have played in football, it was the it would have been the second round of the 2013 playoffs. Um, and I yep. might be misremembering, but I believe that game it was Mercer County was the defending state champion. This is my sophomore year. So we yep. were the defending state champions and um, we played Rockridge in the second round at home. And I think we were the number one and two ranked teams in the state coming into that game. Um
0: Could be. I I don't know. I know
2: we lost in Week Nine that year at TN One Weathersfield, then beat them in the first round of the playoffs to set up the game with Rock Ridge. But anyway, that game I I, potentially again I'm you know 24, so I haven't been around forever. But (laughs) by far, you know, that is the biggest crowd I've ever seen at a game at George Pratt Memorial Field when Mercer County played Rock Ridge in 2013 in the second round of the playoffs. It's a classic game and went you know double overtime. It's a yep. game I think everybody remembers, maybe the most memorable game ever played on that field. And obviously, you know, a playoff game that goes double overtime is going to be really special no matter what it is. But that game felt a lot bigger because it was Mercer County and, and Rock Ridge playing. And, you know, and just kind of down the line. And I know, you you know, this is a fo- football podcast, right? But, you know, so I have a, I have three younger sisters and I think this story kind of goes to my point. So my youngest sister, Tegan, she's in seventh grade and uh, she had her seventh grade girls basketball team had a great year and they played in the IESA regional championship game. Uh, they played Gerard in the regional championship. And you would not believe the crowd at that game. It was a, it was at the junior high gym at Rockridge. I mean, it was there was not a seat to be had. I remember my dad told me the story because I wasn't there, but one of the officials walked out and and he knew my dad. He said to him, he's like, so this is a a seventh grade girls basketball game. My dad said to him, he goes, yeah, this is Mercer County and Sherard playing. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was a crazy game and Mercer County ends up winning by one point. And, you know, the next time I saw my sister, uh, she was telling me about it, you know, in the locker room after the game. And the kids were really excited. And she's showing me videos and they're, you know, chanting, we just beat Sherard. We just beat Sherard. (laughs) Right. And I'm and so, like, comparing that to Anawan, right? Great girls' basketball program. But if they beat them, they're not in the locker room chanting, we just beat Anowan because it doesn't mean as much. It means more because it's Shrard and they're the geographical rival, the traditional rival. And those kids, they're seventh grade, you know, 13, 12 year old girls, and they get that. And it was a big deal that they beat Shrard. And that's something Mercer County hasn't had, you know? And, and again, th- that's what it's about is playing the school as you grow up with. Because another thing that we talk about a lot is like the junior high conference Mercer County is in is the Prairie Land. And that conference is Mercer County, Rockridge, Sherrard, Monmouth, Roseville, Orion, Knoxville, and then Kewanee Central. And I asked people, you know, when this debate was going on, I'm like, would Mercer County ever leave the Prairie Land junior high conference to join the Lincoln Trail junior high conference? No, they wouldn't because it doesn't make any sense. You know, those are the school's, they should be competing with in everything every year. And I'm just, you know, really glad that that was the decision they made. And uh, like I said earlier, just I I think it's was the best decision they could have made. And I'm really happy for most of all the kids because they're going to get to really experience some great environments and atmospheres uh, through the year, whatever sport, football, volleyball, basketball,
0: baseball, everything. Yeah, well, I have no, uh, you know, no word on if it's going to be changed to the Olympic conference again, but man, your dad's (laughs) been campaigning for this for years to bring back the Olympic and we're, we're getting there. We're getting closer to that.
2: Yeah, he has. And that's the (laughs) thing, you know, and I know, you know, it's not the Olympic conference anymore and it's the track, but for Mercer County, again, those are the schools that people Want yep. to see them play and like you know since I've started doing this and covering games and stuff the 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 two most frequent questions that I get asked uh, from people you know with Mercer County are one why aren't we playing Rock Ridge two why aren't we playing Schuerr and I'm like well because some poor decisions were made when I was like six you know <laughs> but it's it's a it, they've righted a wrong you know. And for me, again, when you're Mercer County and you look and there's a conference that Sherrard, Rockridge, Orient, and Monmouth Roseville are all in, you should be there too. And I'd say the same thing if, you know, if Rockridge was in a different league than all those schools, I'd say, you know, Rockridge, you're in the wrong league. You need to get in this one where the traditional rivals are at. And and yeah, I'm just really excited. And I I really can't wait for it to start. I think it's a great addition uh, for the track. And I'd be interested to kind of know just like, you know, from the outside ish perspective that you guys have, like when the talks were going and when they were going to vote on it, did you think they, they were going to accept it? And did you feel like they were a better
0: fit in the track or the LTC? Yeah, Mitch, I know we kind of texted back and forth when it was going on. What what were your thoughts as as we were, you know, hearing the debates were happening in the school board meetings and discussion was happening?
1: Yeah, I think to everything Ty just, just mentioned, it, it made sense. Um you know, you know when they when they made that decision to combine the LTC and the Prairie Land and, and we were looking at that and we were looking at the split between small schools and large schools, it it just kind of immediately kind of took away some of what we were used to and it didn't feel quite like it fit right. I I wasn't going to get fired up to see Mercer County and Illini West. I, you know I I'll, I I'll miss Mercer County and Knoxville. But looking at those large schools in that division, I'm not excited about any of that for Mercer County. But to everything Ty just said, getting those rivalries back with Rock Ridge, um, and certainly that, that the Alito-Rock Ridge rivalry was even before my time, really. Um, I don't remember when Alito disbanded. I remember a playoff game in 99, but I don't remember when they went to Mercer County. But um, just again, those traditional rivalries, getting those back. Makes much more sense to me. So when those conversations were having, like, oh, maybe you know, those whispers, oh, maybe Mercer County's going to join the track. I thought it made complete sense. Uh, it still does. And I'm looking
0: forward to it. Yeah, Kyle, what what are your thoughts on the you know on the changing landscape that we see here?
3: Well, I mean, you take a look at everything that's going on, and when I look at it, I look at competition wise, and you know. The Lincoln Trail was a very competitive conference for quite a while. Um, and it started to deplete after the 2019 season. Um, I mean, look, you take a look at like Stark County. Stark County was in what, 23 straight playoff appearances. And they've been struggling ever since they missed the playoffs. And Juan Weathersfield had a couple great runs there. Uh, and then that ended after that great senior class. Um, lost in the semifinals to Lena Winslow. You take a look at the Prairie Land, and I can't tell you of any team I've really been like, oh my gosh, we got to be afraid of the Prairie Land Conference. I mean, they just, they've never really been a conference that's put up a huge run of games. And you take a look at a lot of those teams in there, and you're like, oh yeah, you're going to get an 8 and 1 out of the Prairie Land, and they're going to be one and done. I mean, so it just speaks to the volume of. Lack of competition, so to speak, coming from those conferences. Not saying that they're not good teams, they're just not at the level of the higher echelon teams in the in, in the divisions. And I think that pulling those mergers together is going to help build more competition. It goes back to the old adage that iron sharpens iron. So you gotta find the good teams that are gonna punish you to help you raise your level of expectation to be able to play at that level at the same time. But overall, for the sake of competition, I think it's a great thing um, because you have to be able to open the doors to provide better competition.
0: Yeah. I think it seems like it's Morrison is going to the NUIC and Mercer County going to the three rivers are almost for the exact like opposite reasons. I mean, you know, similar reasons, but in, in different, you know, perspectives where Morrison is looking for the better fit in a smaller conference and Mercer County is looking for the better fit in a little bit of a bigger conference because I think that unlike Morrison where they were seeing teams with more depth I think Mercer County for years kind of benefited from the depth in football where you know they were winning some games maybe because at the end of the game they were grinding some teams down because they were they were deeper do you think that's the the case Ty over the years that You know, certainly Mercer County's had talent, but there were some years where maybe they were winning games in the end, they were able to hold on because they were deeper, they were fresh.
2: Yeah, I I think so. And kind of like I said earlier, you know, Mercer County, they've had, you know, talented groups and and talented kids who have played, don't get me wrong, but, but, you know, the point I made earlier about, you know, some of the schools they play in the Lincoln Trail over the years, and, you know, it, it could you know, different, differentiate who this team is they're playing. But like I said, you know, there are a few games that you know every season coming in that we're not going to lose these games. These are games we're going to win no matter what we do. If we get on the bus and we get there, we're going to win yeah. this game, you know? And, and and I think that's a detriment to, you know, w- when you're not tested, I feel like, and this is in every sport, you don't really learn a ton about yourself. And I think it's important to to face adversity. And that's something that, you know, the, like one of the, you know, the best programs that we cover uh, talking about WRMJ are Rockridge softball, of course, Rockridge boys basketball, and probably like Sherrard girls basketball. And, and what those three coaches, coach say, who's leaving to go to UT, by the way, yeah, congrats coach <laughs> say on the new job. Um, And coach Nelson with the softball team at Rockridge and coach Swanson with girls basketball at Sherrard, they all kind of say the same thing is like, you know, in order for us to make these postseason runs that we go on, we need to suffer some of these losses and play some of these really good teams so we can learn, you know, more about us, where if we just coast to, you know, win after win after win after win with a lighter schedule, you know, you get to the postseason, eventually, you're gonna have to play good teams. and, And if you haven't been tested, you know, I don't think you'll really be able to respond as well as you could if you were tested. And that's what you know, Coach Say says that all the time. Like, you know, Rock Ridge and boys basketball this year, they went out of their way to play Moline, who was the 4A state champion. You know, to play Brock Harding and and Owen Freeman. And I think that's something that football wise for Mercer County, they just haven't been tested in the regular season for a long time. You know, they shared the Lincoln Trail Conference championship this year, and the first time I saw them play in person um, was I went with John and, and Coach Breeden to do the game. At Annawan Weathersfield, and they played Anawan Weathersfield to, to try and share the conference title with them in Knoxville. And at that point, Anawan Weathersfield hadn't lost the conference game yet. And Mercer County walked in there, beat them 43 nothing. and like leaving, you know, I was saying to John. I'm like, you know, that Anawan Weathersfield team, that's not a 2 A playoff team, you know. And then Mercer County the next week goes to the playoffs and loses, right? And 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 I, I think that. You know they were on par with that Bloomington Central Catholic team that they lost to. They led for most of the game and ended up losing in overtime. But I really think that if Mercer County was forced to play, you know, a, a tougher schedule, that I think they would have won that game. I, I truly think that, and um, that's why I think this in the long run, like I said earlier, will be a help for them. or maybe short term, you know, it's going to be um, there might there might be some growing pains, and I think. There's going to be a point where I know one of the things that Mercer County is very proud of is that playoff streak they have. I don't know how many years it has in a row, but they've it's well over 20 years now where they've been in the football postseason. And you know, moving to the track that puts it you know one year it could be in jeopardy. You know, and we're in the Licking Trail. It, it really never was. And um, but yeah, I, like I said, I just think that that them taking that stuff up in competition and playing okay, we're going to play a two A schedule from two A three A schedule from week one to week nine, that will help them a lot better in weeks 10 through 14, potentially than what the the Lincoln trail conference schedule did for them. In my opinion.
0: Mitch, what do you got?
1: Yeah. Well, just to piggyback on on some of those comments about teams facing challenges. um, And it leads me to another question for Kyle. Um, And and also we'll talk about some of these, these games coming up this year that we know of, of non-conference games that we're really excited about, but you know, you see a team like Lena, Um, and I think it's Eastland too, putting St. Teresa on their schedule, right? The defending two-way state champions. So you love to see things like that. But that leads into my question for you, Kyle. Looking at it now, assuming that West Carroll is still playing in 2024 and you bring Morrison in as the 10th team, do you think that that schedule becomes nine conference games in the regular season or do you think they'll still only play maybe eight or seven and then still fill a non-conference game in the NUIC?
3: No, they'll they'll definitely close the conference back off and just play a nine straight. Yeah. Uh, no, that's the purpose of why they want to seek that tenth team because let's be honest, for athletic directors, it's a scheduling nightmare, yeah. especially trying to schedule teams in small school football, and you have so many closed conferences already. I mean, that's what the the Lincoln Trail and the Prairie Land merger is going to do. It's basically going to close that one off. Um, we already know the WIVC is closed off. Um, so really to find good 1A football and to be able to schedule, you have to be in a closed conference. Yep. Otherwise you're going to find yourself like Lena Winslow and EPC scheduling the class 2A state champs, St. Teresa for a non-conference game. Now, realistically for Lena Winslow's sake, I don't I know for a fact that Coach Aaron is never gonna shy away from competition. Me and him share the same thoughts and philosophies. You only get better if you go schedule bigger. And um, you know, he's not afraid of that matchup. In fact, me and Carrie are gonna head down there for that week five matchup. We're gonna pick up Moreau Forsyth the night before, even though they'll probably be a runaway because they play Pittsfield, but it is what it is. But uh anyway, um we're going to go down there and see that matchup. And, you know, I, I don't, both teams obviously are state champs and it's a, it's a big competition game on paper, but realistically St. Teresa loses a lot. I mean, they just lost their head coach who is finally retiring and Mark Ramsey. You have only three starters on both sides of the ball returning for St. Teresa. So, I mean, it's going to be a different looking team. Um, and, and talking to quite a few people in and around the St. Teresa program, they wouldn't be surprised with the schedule that they have, if they have a hard time getting the five and four this year. So, because they're not going to be in the CIC there, there you go. Another conference that is kicking out another member because, well, they're too good rather than saying, Hey, we need to play up to that level. And this is the, this is the BS that you keep seeing go on and on. And now you got Saint Teresa trying to find games, and, and they have had to schedule a tougher schedule because who are, who are they going to play? There, there's all the one A two A schools down there already in closed conferences. So um, yeah, the NUIC is going to stay closed. It just it's less of a scheduling nightmare for them in that aspect.
0: Yeah. Quickly, uh, before we wrap up the discussion on Mercer County, getting back to the Golden Eagles here. We have to mention they also have a new head coach in Tanner Matlick takes over uh, in, in Alito at Mercer County. Former Golden Eagle quarterback, led them to a state title in 2012, went on to play at Monmouth College. Ty, I'm sure you've talked to him. Um, you know, he's been on the staff, correct? um He wasn't the past couple of years, but he
2: has been before. Okay. Yeah, and I know he served as a couple of years where he was calling plays for them. Um, but yeah, he's been on the staff previously. He wasn't like the past couple of years. Okay. Yeah, he has.
0: Well, what, I mean, what have you heard from him and, uh, you know, what, what's he bring to the table? What, what do you like? Do you like this hire? What do you like about it?
2: I do. Yeah. I think Tanner will do a great job. You know, one, he's somebody, you know, like in the community that everybody knows. And he had such a great playing career at Mercer County. Of course, like you said, leading, um, Mercer County to a state title in, in 2012. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, you know, a guy who I think a lot of people are excited about him being the head coach. Like I said, being from the community, he he's familiar with kind of, you know, the what the Alito slash Mercer County um community is like. Um, and I don't think, you know, that will be an issue for him handling that. Um, and he's a young guy too, which is exciting. I know when you get a guy who is young and lives in the community, and I think he'll, you know be at Mercer County as long as he wants to be you know and and that's something that I think is important especially at a smaller school to find somebody who you know wants to be there you know Tanner Matlock wants to be the head coach at Mercer County you know and and I think it's a great fit and I'm really excited to see uh, what he can do and like I said I think a lot of the the people around the district and the athletic department are excited uh, for him to take over too
0: yeah, it seems like a natural fit. Seems like a good hire out there. Speaking of other head coaches in new locations, Mitch, we got a whole list of uh, yeah. coaches in new spots here. Maybe the biggest, uh, the biggest team, biggest name, um, making a move. Ben Hammer has left Rock Island High School. He was the head coach there for multiple years, several years. Um, brought the rocks is a pretty good success. He took a position down in Florida, so he's completely left the state left the Midwest, took a high school job down in Florida, coaching down there. But the interesting move then is Fritz De'Adoné le- leaves Rock Island Alleman and is now the head coach for the Rock Island Rocks. Uh, mm-hmm. Fritz was the defensive coordinator under Ben Hammer a few years ago, a couple of years ago, before going to Alleman. And I actually just spoke with uh, Fritz this week uh, at St. Ambrose. He, we both work at St. Ambrose. So I ran into him on campus. And, um, you know, he talked about being really comfortable there in Rock Island because he's worked with a lot of this staff that was there from his previous stint. So that certainly helps getting that comfort, um, you know, right there as as he moves in and gets gets acclimated back to Rock Island. But I don't know, Mitch, what are your thoughts on this hire? It's obviously interesting move going from one big six school to the other.
1: Right, and, and certainly having the the background at Rocky is is going to be an easy transition. But if you didn't if you didn't know that, right, and you saw that Fritz was going from a a a, a hard pressed Rockland Allman team, right, yep. with all the struggles that they have in the school, going from that to six a 6A program, <laughs> it's a pretty big jump, right? And when you see a, a coach that went one and eight at an Allman team getting a job at a six a, but Again, knowing the background, knowing how good of a coach he is, certainly he made a lot of improvements at Allman during his time there. From what they were doing, even to get a win uh, was huge for them. So, um, yeah, this this is great. Again, we talked about continuity amongst all the changes that happen. So, whenever you can have a little bit of that, um, I think Rocky's going to be in a in a good place uh, to get back to competing with with Moline to competing with Sterling. Um, Competing with the Quincy's to get back up into that upper echelon. Not that they're not there, but just competing a little bit maybe more closely than they have the past couple of years with those schools. So yeah, great hire for Rocky. Looking forward to seeing Fritz on the sideline this season.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good hire for Rocky in, in the fact that I think Deodone is one of those coaches that he's a real like program leader. I think that's why Alderman hired him because of the situation they were in. They needed a presence they needed someone to really like lead the way and really kind of be the you know the center the focal point right and I think he does a really good job with that like character building aspect of a football team of a program so I think it's a good hire for Rock Island being that he was familiar with them already and to kind of bring that mentality into this Rock Island group I am interested interested to see what he could do um you know this Rock Island team has kind of been up and down, right? They haven't been the consistent top of the, you know, top tier of the Western Big Six the last couple years. Can they get back there? I'm curious to see kind of how that goes. Um, Looking around the area, other coaching changes in Kiwani. Matt Taylor replaces Brad Swanson. He steps in as head coach after being an assistant for the past few years. So Brad Swanson had led Kiwani to, you know, almost historic heights a few years ago and had that program, has that program, really playing really good football. See if uh, see what Matt Taylor can do as he steps in there. Uh, we referenced Morrison's head coaching change. Steve Schneider is out and Vandermeid is in. Erie Profitstown just down the road. Tyler Whitebread replaces Jesse Abbott. Now Abbott will stay on as offensive coordinator, but Whitebread will take over as the head coach Kyle, we got a few changes out your way out in the Northwest Upstate of Line A. We'll start with Wes Carroll. Uh, is it Mike Bixler takes over as head coach? What do we, what do we know about him? So Mike
3: Bixler uh, previously was the coach of Wes Carroll from 2011 to 2014. In that time, he had just left from being an assistant at Dakota, so he was on the Dakota staff on their 2005 and 2007 championship teams. Sorry, Mitch. (laughs) And, And, uh, anyway, when he left, uh, Dakota, he became the head coach there. Um, and then Matt Lightson had replaced him after his four-year tenure after the 2014 season. So now he comes back to take back over the reins there. So, you know, he's got good coaching pedigree. A lot of the people here in uh, Dakota were, were were big fans of him and thought that him going to West Carroll, one, wasn't just a loss to Dakota as far as his coaching and teaching abilities, but also at the time, West Carroll was not in a good state Either. So it was almost like it was going to, they knew it was going to be a challenging situation. And ultimately it led that way with his record being nine and 27. But, you know, obviously you got to have challenges in front of you in order to be successful. So we'll see how he does. Uh, very
0: well respected guy. Uh, another head coaching change uh, out in Stockton, Sean Downey. That, that, this is uh, a couple months ago. I think we talked about it once before on the pod, but give us the background on uh, Coach Downey stepping in at Stockton.
3: Yep, so obviously Matt Lightson, when he left West Carroll, just talking about him, he went back to his alma mater, Stockton, took over that program, and uh, just stepped down here recently. Sean Downey was on his staff prior, so he was already affiliated with Stockton football, and he is going to take over the reins as the head coach there. He's an offensive guru guy, was the offensive coordinator for EPC under Randy Ashey during his tenure from uh 2007 to 2017 they won a state championship in 2014 had a good run there of I believe it was like three or four consecutive conference titles as well Um, they they were part of the team that uh, ended Dakota's regular season streak uh, from like what was it 2007 to 2010 so it was EPC that ended that 30 or 27 game run, whatever it was. It was a, it was a long one for the Indians. And, uh, um, but yeah, Sean's been, been around football for quite a while in the NUIC knows the ins and outs of a a lot of teams and a lot of programs. Uh, Again, another guy that has a lot of respect across the conference. So it's a, it's a good move
0: for Stockton. And we love the phrase offensive guru. Let's see. uh, Let's see Stockton putting up some big, big point totals. I love it. Well, let's get into the eight man division. And Todd Kramer is back as head coach of Aquin. But Kyle, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording here. It seems like uh Aquin has there's a whole lot of things going on between this co-op that was and then wasn't between Orangeville and Aquin and just Aquin's numbers in general are just they're they're not they're not trending in the right direction. I, I, I guess we'll call it. No, so obviously, both these schools took a poll
3: on how many kids they would have interested in going out for football. And when it came out, there was like 13 kids from Aqua at the most uh, across all four classes. And I think Orangeville was sitting around anywhere from 16 to 18 kids. So, in theory, if they were to co op, they'd be around 27 to 31 kids. But likewise, though that age group was a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And the incoming classes are very low as far as boys going off for football. Aquin has zero kids coming in to play high school football this year. And I believe seventh grade doesn't have anybody either. They've been playing a combined sixth, seventh and eighth grade schedule for junior high football for quite some time uh, just to be able to fill that gap and void. But, um, you know, you're, you're taking a look at multiple things. so. Obviously, they were trying to do the right thing. They approached the boards for IFA to get the co-op going, and they were told that they couldn't do it because they were told the deadline's on everything, and they submitted the approval after the said deadline. Although, in talking to administration at Orangeville, they had originally posted this at the end of the football season back in November. So it was something that they were pursuing right when football season ended. And they brought it to the board. I think it was January 12th, somewhere around there. And at the time, the cutoff date was January 1st. And they tried to put it through to the vote anyway, and it was voted down. Um, They tried to appeal it. And in the appeal process, they stated, you know, what if you changed our schedule? We'll sit out the playoffs. They, they, they were basically trying to do anything, from what I understand, to just be able to make the co-op go through, even if it said we can't qualify for the playoffs this year, and it still was voted down. So they did hire Todd Kramer to be the coach of the co-op, which Todd used to be the head coach for Aquin. Uh, football and he still is the head baseball coach for Aquin. and now you're starting to look at uh a mass exodus of Aquin athletes they have five of those kids that were going to go out for football or, or um one's already left to go to another school and you got four more getting ready to transfer to either eastland or freeport so um Right now, Aquin's not looking too good to be able to have a football team. Initially, they were told that they could not change the schedule. Since then, the IFA has come back and has changed the schedule to make it easier for Aquin to have opponents that would be better matched up to where their athletic talents are with the younger kids. So everything it's kind of wishy-washy here as far as what they were told that they couldn't do. And then they go back and they do it anyway. So it's um, yeah, it's just, it's a quagmire really, you know, it's a lot of crap going on that it's hard to figure out what's going on. And Orangeville doesn't have a coach yet. And if Aquin doesn't have a team, where does coach Kramer go there? And it's one of those that, has to get figured out and they're going to have to do something one way or another.
0: Yeah. And it's unfortunate for both programs. I mean, obviously, you know, Aquin has been great over the years. Orangeville was uh, in the state championship game of eight man football a few years ago. So, you know, programs that have had some success recently and over the years to see them struggling like this, you know, significant struggles with numbers is you know it's hard to see at any program. So we'll, Certainly, be following along with that. And speaking of struggling with numbers, we've talked in previous podcasts that Allman is announced they are sitting out again the 2023 season, which really throws you know a wrench into the plans of the Western Big Six. I know we've heard some non-conference games that have been announced. We'll talk about those in a second. But I, several teams I don't think have, have have found an opponent yet. So it's just it's never never easy when this sort of thing happens. We hope that Allman can get back to playing in Western Big Six football year in and year out. I think the conference is better when you just have that extra you know, that that extra team in there, obviously, just with the history behind the Western Big Six. It's better to have all of them involved. On the opposite end, some optimistic news out of the Three Rivers Conference. R- Riverdale is, is back to competing in 11-man football. They announced that um, earlier this year. So that's exciting news for head coach Guy Derrick's Um, uh, you know, a guy that I've followed for a lot of years now, really good guy, really glad that he has them back, you know, competing, ready to compete in 11 man football. But you look at the three Rivers schedule, (laughs) Riverdale's back, but they lost St. Bede who left kind of short of their contract and left a lot of schools hanging for football, um, for opponents. So let's start breaking it down here. We got some non-conference matchups, um, Ty, you mentioned one of them earlier, Mercer County at St. Bede. So that's kind of an interesting one that, you know, a a matchup we haven't seen in a long time. Um, You also have Mendota at Geneseo. So that crossover between the Three Rivers and the Western Big Six becomes a good fit. You have two, what I would call marquee matchups, though, out of that Three Rivers, Western Big Six. Sterling at Princeton and Newman at Rock Island. So I, you know, I'll open it up. Ty, Ty, I'll start with you. Talk about these matchups. I mean, it, it's out of unfortunate circumstances, but man, these are fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, like when you talk about I, the one I'm really excited about is like Sterling and Princeton. I think that's an amazing matchup that you never really get a chance to see um, with two programs who, who, you know, are pretty storied, especially, you know, recently that that's an exciting game. Um, Newman, Rock Island is really cool. I mean, that's, you know, a matchup you probably thought you'd never see, you know, and getting a chance to see that. I know, you know, the storied storied history that Newman has in football, it's really cool to see them get a crack at, at a, a program like Rock Island. Um, and yeah, the Mercer County St. Bede one is interesting too. Um, part of the reason is because, you know, initially when the Mercer County track talk started, one of the things was like, oh, you know, we can't well, what about St. B? That's such a long trip. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you're playing them anyway. So what do you mean? It's a long trip. So um, yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, and then I know rock Ridge uh, has to fill open date with St. Beat and they're playing uh, Ridgeview Lexington in week two. That's right. Um, yeah. That's a really great matchup too. Good call. A great matchup with the, the, you know, recent run that Ridgeview Lexington has been on and rock Ridge has had a great recent run. In football too, and it's too bad though. You know, ended up with Mercer County and Rock Ridge both having week two open dates that you know I think they were off where they weren't at the same time. Where that would have been cool if they could have got together and played in week two, but um, you know that's kind of beside the point. But yeah, like you know, it's always good to see you know teams like from the track perspective, right, to to test themselves against. I mean, all those teams are playing, you know, legitimate programs that they're going to go up against. And
0: I think that's really cool and and fun in the regular season for sure. Yep. Kyle, what, uh, what non-conference matchups do we have? We talked about uh, Lee Wynn going on the road to Decatur, St. Teresa. Do you know of any others, any other fun non-conference matchups going, going out that way? Uh, Yeah. Dakota is going to travel down
3: to Fisher. Um, I know Stockton scheduled something. I can't remember who, I don't have it updated on my list here uh forest and gcms have tagged up for another uh, Okay. Year. knoxville and fulton are going to be playing each other for the next year it was going to be the next two years but with morrison coming now it's going to be one year and then uh dupec is
0: taking on uh Al-Toff catholic oh yeah that is that is an inter- interesting one that we had heard before well yeah good i i will miss the uh you know, the non-conference game that the NUIC had to schedule. Um, it, it Going to a closed conference, which we addressed a little while ago, it is unfortunate that you lose some of this. But, um, Mitch, I know we, we talked, I think, about Sterling and Princeton. That's the, yeah. that's the marquee matchup, you know, one of them. But the newest one, we had heard talk, discussion about this Newman-Rock Island matchup a long time ago because you looked at schedules, and they both yeah. opened up on week four. And we thought, yeah. man, are they going to go for that? Are they going to do it? And they finally announced that they're doing it.
1: Yeah, we, we tried to – and certainly we try and help teams that we – you know, that they – if they announce that they're looking for a matchup, we'll try and keep our ears open and keep our eyes open and try and marry it up. And that was one that we talked about. that We both knew that they were in the same week. Um, Newman was, was looking and almost had a game set up with Galena. and then Galena went a different way. And I think – I don't remember who Rock Island was maybe talking to, but it both went through. And at the time it was – yeah – we we have spoken to each other, certainly it's a 1A and a 6A team, they don't, I don't want to say they don't want to do that, but it's maybe a last resort type of thing at the time that we spoke to them. But, um, again, speaking to the Newman AD this week, confirmed that they they are going to do it, um, and as Ty, Ty said, it's a matchup you never thought you'd see, certainly because of the, just the disparity of the two sides of the schools, but it, it's it's the, the best out of a worse situation, Um, it's a good opportunity for Newman um, to to go up against a a Rock Island team in in week four. So they'll get a couple of weeks, get their, you know, their legs in um, and and then that'll really set them up for how they do for the rest of the season. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Certainly have an opinion on how that game might go just on on size, but uh, again, just, seeing these matchups, right? We saw Lena and Princeton play a couple years ago. We're going to see Sterling and Princeton this year. You're going to see Lena and, and St. Teresa. So these opportunities that we get from conferences that aren't closed off or seeing teams that go to eight man or, or just drop off for a year, like Riverdale, West Carroll, all of them, and all have done, it opens up these fun opportunities. But the, the side of that, you know, the other side of the point of that, as to Kyle's point is it makes scheduling so hard. Um, even, even teams like, um, ICC right they left their conference and we've talked plenty about ICC Catholic on this on this show but you you also feel bad for them because they get put in a really really tough predicament having to play really really tough teams and so that's true for big schools it's, it's true for small schools so um seeing these games again even Mendota a full cool matchup that we're never going to see very much Mercer County St. Bede um yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest because we don't have the rest of the schedules yet either. So there there could be matches matchups that we don't know about yet or haven't been announced yet. So um the ones that we know about looking forward to. So hopefully again, we don't want to see teams with open weeks. It's it's gonna be inevitable though. So hopefully we, we see some of these these voids get filled up pretty quickly.
0: Yep. Mitch, I, I think I think you've become an IC Catholic fan. You talk about feeling bad for them now and like the, you bring them up every episode? Never yeah. feel <laughs> what was that?
3: <laughs> Never feel bad for ICK. <laughs> even even, even <laughs> you, Kyle, you have to admit that they got put into a bad situation. They did. They did. They got screwed over. But here's the thing: they go five and four. They're still going to be the roadblock to the class. Yeah, they'll still be because
1: the, they'll still be three A, right?
0: Right now they are.
1: Yeah, so they'll still be a favorite even if they get in at five and four. And they'll still be a favorite as 16 <laughs> seed. it doesn't matter.
0: You got, you got to see Ty. I got to be careful once I bring it up and then, and then they start going back and forth there's a whole nother hour episode we're going (laughs) to have here. So, well, I think gentlemen, I think that's all we got for this episode. So, uh, Ty, thanks for stepping in and, uh, you know, you're keeping busy covering the local sports out that way. So, uh, you know, come football season, we'll have to, we'll have to check back in and see how the pigskin previews look. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I was glad to be here. I had a lot of fun and yeah, for sure.
2: We'll have to hopefully, you know, catch up down the road too.
1: Perfect. We'll be doing that. We'll be doing that before we know it. Why? Well, that's what know. I was just going to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To our, you know, to our listeners, you know, uh, follow along on view, view from West pod on Twitter and uh, we'll keep you updated, but yeah, come this summer, we'll have some updates, uh, you know, probably a, a podcast here or there, and then we'll start doing our previews. So Kyle, when when do you uh, when do you start doing notes that that comes in the summer after baseball season?
3: Yeah, I'll probably start that
0: uh, right after the 4th of July. So
3: there you go. uh, Yeah, I got baseball through the month of June yet with the American Legion and travel ball. And then I wrap up July 6th. So, yeah, sometime in July here is when I'll start getting stuff prepped. And then the first week of August, we'll start our countdown to kickoff.
0: So when it comes to football, we remain completely unbiased, but on the podcast, we we will officially say, go Dakota Indians, best of luck in the, uh, in the regionals and the, uh, in the upcoming postseason baseball.
3: Well, thank you very much. I, I like where we're at right now. Um, You know, we weren't much to be thought of going in the season, but deep down we knew what we had and it was just getting the kids to believe in it. They bought into our philosophies and, you know, right now we're, we're riding a pretty good high right now. And, you know, just wrapping up our conference championship for the first time in 11 years has been uh, very exciting. And uh, we, we know that we got one of the toughest draws in our region uh, out of our subsection we prepared for. it, So definitely excited for what,
0: what lies ahead next week. Sounds good. We will We will be following along for sure. Well, thank you everyone for being here thank you uh you know for joining us and uh thank you to everyone who listened in follow along at view from west pod on twitter we'll keep you updated throughout the summer and uh you know once we get later in the summer like kyle said into july we'll start doing our high school football previews but uh that's it for now thank you so much and we will see you down the road That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com.